Welcome in. This is 300 Yards to Unknown. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Sal Vetri. Sal, this is uh, long overdue, bud. I'm, I'm excited to get to kind of pick your brain a little bit. Yeah, we got to earlier this year for when golf was starting off, got to get together for some golf content, which was long overdue in that front. But I'm excited to hop on this and, and talk in a little bit of a different area. It's refreshing from, I'm sure for you as well, what we do on the day in and day out covering the sports that we cover. Yeah, the reason I kind of wanted to uh, just in general chat with you and then I was like, maybe we'll just record it and release it is because I feel like uh, you and I very much align with kind of what we're doing right now, which is kind of this like one man show type deal, whether it's content creation or data or whatever it is, it, it's it's kind of different than what else you might see going on around the industry. Yeah, I agree. It's it's different. It's got its own unique challenges that I think we'll probably figure out some spots where we relate to during this. And I've tried to just like talk to other people that are friends or in different different areas. One, they're not in content in general. And two, they're either employees or they're working with some sort of small group. So there's a lot of different differences that you don't usually get to kind of weed out. So I'm excited to kind of see how this goes as there's not many of us, I would say, that are just kind of the one-man bands in this content space of sports betting. And then it kind of turns, we can certainly get into this as well. It's like, uh, how do you grow, right? Like, wh where do we grow? What are the best places to focus our attention? Because for me, I found, and, and I'd, I'd be interested to hear from your perspective, um, we have to be as efficient as possible right? Like there's just, there's just no other way around it with, with how many hours there are in the day, with how much there is to do, how much content, especially you doing multiple sports. Have you, like, I find myself trying to be as hyper efficient as possible. Uh, do, are you kind of in that same boat where you've kind of figured out the best ways to do things? Yeah. There's like a lot of processes that I usually figure out, like coming into like the third year of doing this now, like early on, just kind of a hobby at college, saw there was some growth, so started to kind of figure out, okay, well, how can I not spend 10 hours a week on this one video? So yeah. some of it's just from, <laughs> yeah, some of it's just from like the past growth of literally being able to buy new equipment that I don't have to sit around for an hour to wait for a video to process or something like that. Um, that's like just parts from growing in the past, but then yeah, figuring out new processes. I would say right now I'm in a kind of maybe like a pivotal point for where I'm at as like individual creator content, just the business so coming into the third year, the first year was just like at college, we're doing it, we're having fun. I actually reached out to Mayo and some other people, Pat Mayo during that time. It was like, so this football thing is cool and stuff, but like, what do you guys do over the off season? And he was like, <laughs> he said that he covers golf. He recommend covering other sports. That's when I got into basketball. It's probably maybe like my overall favorite sport. Started covering that. Football comes back around. It's having a good time. Then pandemic hits. So this year, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm kind of in this two month lull now. So maybe have to decide on what the future of the channel looks like from a, is it strictly football? Is it strictly these two sports? Uh, because like you're saying, just trying to be super efficient with time as more people niche down in different areas, yourself and golf. It's like, all right, well, it might be time to start niching down a little bit and, and really focusing in my time on a couple of spots or even just one sport. So that's yeah. where I'm at like right now in the headspace, these next couple of months, figuring that out. And, and and I think that, and I'm sure you do too. I mean, I get a ton of emails from people that are like, hey, Rick, like I, I kind of want to do what you do. Like I want to create content. Where do I start? Do you have any recommendations? All that stuff. And and I get it when you're, especially when you're starting out. Uh, and I did the same exact thing. I was like, I have to cover everything. And and honestly, I had to cover everything, Sal, because I had to pay the bills, right? I was like, I could not yeah. have, I could not have an off season or I didn't want to miss out on the NFL crowd. I didn't want to miss out on the NBA crowd. I didn't want to miss out on all of this, even if that's not necessarily 
with, with where my passions aligned. And as I was able to grow and as I was able to kind of, I don't know, carve out this little golf area uh, and it was scary, right? It was still scary for me to be like, all right, well, I'm just going to cover golf now. And if you were here for right. NFL, if you were here for NBA, or if you were here for anything else, I guess you're gone now. Like, I guess I lose that revenue or whatever. So it, it's, it's not an easy decision to make by any stretch. And I like what, so what factors go into it for you? Is it because part of it for me was not only financial, but also just like almost mental health related. Yeah. Well that, that's definitely part of it. Um, I would say that one, I commend you on what you did. That was, I remember seeing you do that and it was awesome. I was terrified. Terrifying. I can imagine how scary it is. <laughs> I would say there's, there's two big things for me. One, I enjoy all the sports that I cover. Like I, I genuinely enjoy watching basketball. It's probably my favorite sport to watch. Always loved football and golf. I enjoy, I was a turf science major. I enjoy playing it. I enjoy, I suck at it like terrible. Haven't played in a while, but I just enjoy those sports. So it's not even like I'm not doing one of them or I'm just doing one of them for like a money push or something like that. Like I actually enjoy covering them. So time is one thing, but I, I think there's, I think there's two like factors we could drill into. The first one is as more people start to create content, yep. whether it's in our space or just in general, and you can look at yourself, for example, like niche down into a sport. As more people are doing that year round, I see myself and I'm covering football the full six months. That's like my full thing, my my full go. Right. But in those months when it's not going on, like right now, I just started to cover back up. But there's three, four five months I don't hit on it. There's people full around doing it. So mm. from a branding standpoint, keeping people like on the channel interested in what I'm doing once football ends, they might go, oh, I don't really care too much about basketball. I'm going to go over here, check out what these people have to offer, might not ever come back. So that, that's kind of like the headspace where I'm trying, starting to get into and like, okay, five years from now, is it everybody is specialized in one thing? Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to piece apart these little things, maybe you get somewhat of a crowd, but slowly and slow and surely when you're not covering that sport, you can lose it. And then the other part of it would be, I would say mental health and the money part not as much anymore, but last year that was probably the case, and definitely the year before. Because when football's gone, those those five months, there's there's right. nothing. It's there's nothing at all. Like maybe the XFL picks up next year, but there's nothing uh, at all from I would say like a revenue standpoint of covering games or something like that. Yeah, it's so the the more content creators thing. Let's start there, uh, which which is kind of the thing that I see when when I started doing. And I'm I've probably been doing this in some capacity for five years. I probably made it my full time job probably two and a half years ago uh, is when I switched to golf and said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And even in that like two and a half years, I I'll, I'll start seeing, or I'll be getting messages from like, Hey, I just started this golf YouTube channel or whatever. Like, would you want to come on? Or would you want to do this? And it's just like, wow, like a lot of people are doing this. And I assume it is because one Sal, uh, it, it feels like during the pandemic and during everything, it, it was the time for everybody to create a podcast, everybody to create a YouTube channel. You're sitting at home, you're doing nothing. Let me see. You know, it's, it's the barrier of entry is pretty small, right? Buy a mic, buy a camera. You might be, yeah. in, you know, you could be in for less than 200 bucks or whatever and start your own YouTube channel or start your own podcast. Uh, and then also, I think, I think the idea is a lot of people see that there is money to be made in this space with, with especially with sports betting that that sites are are dumping all of this in there and it's just causing this influx of content creators so i, I think it's good that they're there I've, i don't know how much you feel about whether these guys are are going to be competitors for you whether they're going to uh, be a threat but i think it it's one of these you know all tides rise all boats situations yeah, I, I agree with that just the space that we're in is great i guess it's more of a long-term approach a competitor standpoint I guess not. Like, I, I guess I don't really view people as much as competitors. Um, yeah. Just from like a branding standpoint, I think 
I just feel pretty like unique in who I am at least. So like if people are coming back to watch me, it's because of who I am. I think early on, like the first six months, it was just because I was like, just strictly like spitting out facts and like stats and stuff. But I quickly realized like, okay, I have to like actually build somewhat of a brand, a personality, right. connect with people. So I guess not as much from that standpoint, but I do think that's true, the, the whole pandemic. But you, you touch on like the quality of getting in at like $200. And that's what I started like with my first full six months, like on a laptop, microphone, and webcam. And I, I, I was looking back on it yesterday, actually, and it, it looks terrible. But I think now, like just with all this money coming into the industry, more people from like Rich Eisen's and the guys all the way up top, Pat McAfee's like going off and doing their own thing at that level. Um, maybe not so much in our space, but at that level and maybe seeking out that like sports betting kind of partnership, money, FanDuel, DraftKings, that spot. I think that the production quality, honestly, at like base level, like if you actually want to make this a part-time or full-time thing has to start to increase. And that's just what I did. I reached out to you for like just camera recommendations and things like that, just to get away from like webcams, because now I think yeah. that coming into this football season, I, I kind of wanted to set a tone of, all right, this is going to be like more of a professional show at least from a setting standpoint maybe not from the words that come out of the, my mouth hole but right from a, a, a setting standpoint because i noticed myself on youtube like if it's not crisp now at least from the sports side of stuff if i'm watching like mma ufc content i'm just always going to go to the person that has that as long as they're somewhat informative so yeah completely agree the the uh, me getting away from a webcam and going to like a real camera that i had to rig up so that i could stream and so that i could do other stuff like that was that's a conscious effort sal to be more attractive to networks that that's what it is yeah. it that that is the play right and the idea is uh i think again this a lot of this a lot of stuff changed during the pandemic and a lot of people were doing stuff from home and networks were showing stuff with people in their living room or people in whatever extra bedroom that they had and i think they're they're realizing hey this is kind of a lot cheaper to do we don't have to bring somebody in studio all the time and the quality like people are accepting of the quality but if you could put out something like i think you and i are putting out which is this higher end you know i don't know 4k with the depth and all that stuff it's like you can set yourself apart. So that, that my 100% goal of cr creating better quality is to be more appealing to networks, which I think is the right way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think appealing to networks, appealing to just really any audience. I remember like probably three, four years ago, I used to watch these music reviews and everybody does them for the most part. Like there's thousands of people doing these music reviews, but these, these twin brothers had 4k cameras and this was like three or four years ago. And they just looked so nice. Like, and they started to get views, did nothing different, but just look. Right. And I remember that stuck in my head. Like, all right, whenever I can like eventually afford this, I have to go that direction to just make it crisp quality. It took, I mean, it was like a week and a half of playing with a camera, reaching out to like three friends that have cameras <laughs> and things like that, figuring it all out, playing around with settings. But no, I'm happy I did it. Now it's all set up, ready to go. Uh, for yeah. this upcoming football season. Yeah, I sat I sat here and my wife my wife just kept adjusting it. Just just adjust 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 and I'm like we'll just figure it out eventually. We have no idea what we're doing, but we'll figure it out eventually now that we have it like don't touch it. Like I never ever touch the camera. I don't do yeah. anything else. Like it's it's like that. Yeah, um, I've been tempted to use it for like pictures, things like that, but it's no, just, just to it. stay. And then also like all these other things start to come with it. Like I have blackout curtains coming on the way yeah. just so when I record in the afternoon or night it doesn't change anything that's going on in the picture. So yeah, yep. we're, we're trying to, we're trying to keep up with it all. Yep. I have same thing. I, I, I close everything up when I record. So it's like, it always looks exactly the same. I'm not at the mercy. I've got like the acoustic stuff on the walls and on the ceiling and all that good stuff. Um, the, the thing I think for me that I want to get into is like, okay, so you work from home. Uh, I, I work from home, which is awesome. 
it is it's kind of a dangerous little game, right? Because you can you can literally work every hour you're awake. There there are the majority of the days I walk out of the bedroom and walk straight into into the office. Like I I don't do anything else. I don't eat breakfast first, which I think is not great that I'm that I do that. Yeah. That I mean that's how my day start. It'll start with I have coffee like already on a timer and then I'll walk right in. Um it's a two bedroom apartment. So the other apartment bedroom is like the office right now. So that's how my day start too. And it is very dangerous. It's definitely in the past. It hit a point where early on, just like watching, whether it's like the Gary V type content or just in general, it was like, okay, I, if I get this, I realized right away, if I put daily videos out instead of two, three times a week, I'll hit this goal of the subscribers or being able uh-huh. to do this part-time full-time much quicker, 10, 20, 30 times faster than other people doing it once or twice a week. And then that gets to a point where it's like, all right, now I'm putting out a video seven days a week. Some days yeah. putting out two videos. Like at one point I was putting out MLB, WNBA and NBA. This was like the first three months I was every single day. And it, it wasn't terrible in the moment just because it was kind of like that grind. But then it, there was like a sharp point where it was like, I don't need to be doing this anymore, but I'm still doing this. And that's when it like spills over into the relationship aspect. Like I've been dating my girlfriend four years when I met her is when I started doing this. So I couldn't even imagine like getting in a new relationship right now for <laughs> the schedule that I'm on is. Um, but yeah, there came a point when she was just like, all right, like you're just working like way too much of this stuff nonstop. And like you said, when it's in the other room or like right there, oh, it's quick. Oh, basketball news comes out. It's quick to go in there yeah. and like either react to it or have to change something for it. So it's a dangerous game. I would say Midway through the pandemic is when there was maybe not a, I knew of it before that, but more of a started to take actions on it and kind of set myself up on a structured schedule. I always had somewhat of a loose schedule, but more structured schedule. So I'm not in here till like 10 o'clock at night. But the, the flip side to that, and, and I agree with you, it's dangerous and I'm, I'm bad at the boundaries, right? Because there's things that pop up where, or like, I'll get an email at nine o'clock at night and I'll be like, well, Yep. It's gonna take. I could just walk over there and do it, or I could, you know, uh, like, like I should take my phone at five o'clock and I should put it in a drawer somewhere and I should not look at it for the rest of the night or something like that. But there, there is also this, uh, for me at least, uh, being this company of one or whatever you want to call it, there is a direct correlation between how much work you're putting in, how much time you're putting in, and how much money you're making. So it's it's almost it's almost addictive to be trying to pump content to try and continue to improve everything because you know every hour you put in or every you know half a percent that you improve something you, you probably see a, a monetary return in that so it, that to me is where I struggle fa- finding the balance yeah I agree I, I know not to an exact extent but if I was to not put out like an NBA video or do a live stream later today I can kind of get down to like the percentage or so that that would like drop in revenue for like the week or the month at this point where the season's at right now and just doing this for a couple of years which is why that's why kind of all these things forming together trying to get a little bit more time away from like the work is when i released a podcast which is what you commented on with my girlfriend a couple weeks back and it was basically just saying like i'm kind of trying to figure out do i want to scale from a bringing on more people to the channel have somebody else take over some of these like episodes for NBA. We, we did it with MMA and we were thinking about doing it for like MLB. And that's where I was really in a, in a difficult situation. The company one book you recommended was kind of great insights to that and ultimately decided that it was going to be a lot more hectic, a lot more managerial responsibilities downside of it being my personality in the channel, which can just cause, you know, maybe this doesn't work out all that well. And ultimately ended up not 
doing it just because it seems like it would add a lot of headaches for not that much gain either followers or like monetary gain but the goal of it was okay if i'm not working at this time somebody else can be doing a video on the channel and getting that x amount of rev dollars or whatever potential that that can turn into um but i don't think it's as easy as that and we experimented with the mma stuff because it's clearly not me with my audience that we have a connection yeah i i found um Maybe I don't work well with others. I don't know. I, I like to have all of the control. Like, do you feel that way too? Like, even if it's like, and maybe that's me being a bad manager or me, like I, I just struggle working with others. If I don't, if I don't know how to do something or don't feel confident in my skills in what's happening, I'm fine working with others. Yeah. I don't know if this is like sounding bad or not, but if I know how to do something, I guess that's when I, I yeah. struggle a little bit to like give up control. Like I have an editor who does some contracting work for me. He's a kid in college somewhere in Florida and he does great work. And it's just stuff that I could probably do if I took the time, but my time doesn't need to be there. It's fine. I'll, I'll let him do it. He does good work. But when there's stuff that's like directly related, related to like putting content on camera, if it's somebody else trying to do an NBA video on my channel, when I do that, it's just kind of like, all right, there's like certain things that I feel like I can't fully give up. And it, it might be very easy things too. Like you can schedule things out on like YouTube and give people certain controls and things along those lines and maybe that's something that i have to get better at but it's also something that when you start to do that you start to walk that line of okay now we're starting to scale um what do we yeah. do next and you just kind of like you know it's it's the salvetri youtube channel is it not the salvetri youtube channel if there's five other people on it well that that that's another <laughs> thing that i was talking to mayo with um because mayo the mayo media network i remember being like, all right, I have to change the name of this. It's like Salvetri Media now, the YouTube channel. But I was like, what do I change this to? Is it Salvetri and Partners, Salvetri and Friends? Like, it's just such a weird concept at that point to be shifting at this stage. And when I figured that, I think I'm just the company of one idea, whether it's mm -hmm. a couple of contractors not scaling too much. I think that staying down in like that NFL content is where I want to be the NBA stuff. But also probably this thing that I could scale better is where my downtime goes, downtime of like, prepping things in the background, offsetting that a little bit and putting myself on camera more on like guest mm. appearances, which I rarely do like things like this. I like doing, I just rarely take the time to yeah. find people that want to link up for it or spots maybe with networks. And that's where I have to start to figure out how I can, cause I like, I curse and stuff in my videos. I don't know how that fits the, the line of some of the <laughs> networks out there. So I have to, I have to start to think about that more as if I want to start to reach out to like certain networks that have either streaming or just bigger YouTube channels and see if they need any guest fills. And that's how I can scale back to my channel without having to put out a ton more content, editing, all that stuff. Have you considered getting an agent? No, not, uh, not at all. There's been somebody, somebody reached out just like for like ad deals for a podcast and they take like 10%. And whenever they like it's infrequent, but whenever they come back to me, they're like, all right, this is the X amount of money for like three shows on the podcast and YouTube channel. And usually it's fine. Cause then I don't have to go out and reach for it, but that's the closest I've gotten. It's not an agent by any means. It's not like everything mm -hmm. we're bringing in, but that's just for the podcast. So I just signed with an agent, uh, a couple okay. of months ago and it is, it's, it's pretty cool. So the idea of someone, right? Like that's like the most efficient use of my time, right? Is, is someone can go out and try to find me work whether it is those spots like that, whether it is, uh, you know, different relationships, you know, all of these networks are out there, uh, trying to, trying to fill sports betting 
stuff, right? I mean, there are, I mean, sports books are doing it, which is a completely different story. You know, we have an, we have a, we live in a world where sports books are also trying to do the marketing and the content for sports books, which right. seems kind of weird, right? It's like, do you want to be taking advice and, and content from the place that you're wagering with or wagering against, however you want to view it. But, but long story short, there's just a, a ton of, there's just a ton of opportunity. And the idea of me spending my time trying to figure all that stuff out stopped being worth it. And then also the agent gets to be the bad guy, right? They get to negotiate things. They get to say no to things. They get to do whatever it's, it's, and, and I've recommended it for other people who are kind of in a similar situation. You have to find something that's right for you. And at, and at the right time, it just became the right time for me, I think a couple of months ago, but that's, that's the same challenge of, is even reaching out to other people worth it to me, right? Is, is, should I have right. someone be doing this for me? So that's kind of what I've been dealing with. That's interesting. I uh, I guess I never really thought too much about that, but everything I just described is what an agent would do. Just straight negotiations, <laughs> finding those opportunities for you. I guess without getting like too much into, maybe I'll talk to you about who that person is, but without getting too much into like your exact structure on it, do mm -hmm. agents take like the name is Rick Gaiman or the name is Sal Betri, everything that comes into this, like the Rick Rungood website and stuff, or is it just what they find for you? So that like you can get any agreement that you want right okay. now for me, it's just what they find for me. Uh, I, I'm not sense. right. So I, you know, for the last however many years I've built, I've built this pile. Right. I, I'm not going to hand any uh, percentage of that away. So the way that we structured it is it's just, it's just new opportunities. And, and with the idea that there are so many new opportunities and that, and that could be anything, right? It could be, uh, this person could go to an existing sponsor of mine and renegotiate a better deal. And now right. that now they get a percentage of that, right? I mean, there's just a lot of different ways to do it. So uh, the, I have it structured for just new, just new stuff, which I thought was fair and the only way to do it. I think, yeah, I think that's the only way to do it. That actually makes it a lot more appealing to me. I, I guess just being ignorant to it, not knowing much about agents for like people in our situation just sounds like a fancy term for like where I'm at, but it's, it's yeah, it's not else. like, I don't have like this power agent who like kicks down doors of like, right. you know, CEOs and does whatever. It's just like, <laughs> it just goes and finds yeah. opportunities and we chat and we stay in touch. It's like, it sounds way bigger than it probably actually is. It, it's basically what this, this guy who does finds like podcast deals does, except for a little bit more than just a podcast deal, like on camera work too, which I, yeah, could I be have the feeling. The I think agents get a bad rep because of like my first thought is always just like record labels and that type of stuff where it's like, yeah, everything you ever make is now ours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then like you can't even re-record your own songs or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, no, no, nothing like that at all. And I'm certainly not big enough to get like, you know, for them to care that much. Right. Like I'm right. probably this guy's 10th person like you know what I mean? probably thinks about me once a month which is fine that's the type of attention uh that i that i need um the, the company of one book so that's the book that i recommended for you it's the one that uh, i honestly probably haven't read it in two and a half years and i wanted to i want to read it again because obviously my perspective on a lot of stuff has has changed so much but that book that book's the reason i like quit my full-time job and did this wow. uh, like because I, I was very much i've been tiptoeing around the idea for a while and i read this book about I mean, it's really about, to me, I, my takeaway is you can scale in different ways than normal corporate America would want you to scale, right? Like a startup, if you have a startup, maybe you try to get um, funding and you get VC funding and then you get, want to become a billion dollar company. How do you become a billion dollar company? You hire like a thousand people. And it's just like all of this stuff is more expenses. It's more headaches. It's more time. And company of one is like, yeah, you can scale 
by yourself, right? Like what, what you and I do, uh, scales really well. Like you, you, you put out one video, Sal, and it's the same amount of work for you, whether a hundred people view it or a hundred thousand people view it, which is like the whole idea of this is just scale smart. Yeah. And I guess like the, the overarching theme I took from it is like a lot of things that just sort of question like everything, like you see just the mm-hmm. definition of scale as big as you can. If you tell somebody, I think there's one part in the book. like, if you tell somebody like, ah, yeah, no, we're not like trying to scale like my company or anything. It's like, oh, well, they're not doing too well then or something along those lines. Like they're not in a position right. or successful enough to bring on employees and things along that line. When really the flip side of it is it brings on a lot of headaches. I think it might've been Tim Ferriss who's, he, he said a, some sort of story. I don't know if it's true or false. It might be like a folktale of billionaire from New York comes to a vacation island, goes down to the fishing port, sees a guy fishing and he's like, wow, you catch so many fishes a day. Have you ever thought about scaling this business? And the guy goes, oh, what does that mean? And he's like, oh, well, you can come to New York, go to all the harbors. You can make all this money, millions and billions of dollars. And then he's like, after 30 years of doing that, he could retire. And he's like, oh, wow. He's like, what would you do when you retire? He's like, I probably go fish every (laughs) single day. And he's like, so nothing would change. So that's the point where it started to click with me. And you mentioned it, like no matter how much work I put in, trying to figure out ways to scale, like the YouTube channel from SEO and stuff is a little different, but yeah, however many people watch that, I put five hours of work in, it could be 100, 1,000, 10,000 people. They said that at one point in the book, how they're trying to set up those, I would say like channels or like processes. And in my head, I'm like, this is kind of already set up for like mm-hmm. people like us in the content space. It's just now, maybe not greed is the right word, but a little bit of greed and just wanting some of your time back when you want to bring on like more people or scale into something bigger. So after reading that, it was like pretty clear to me that just need to like chill out and at this stage, just kind of ride with myself, at least on camera, like background stuff. I want a couple of contractors to help me with video editing, putting together like just stat sheets and stuff. I think that's fine. But yeah, taking that next step was already causing me a ton of headaches and like stress for like two or three months. So I feel a lot it's better crazy. now that I made a decision. Yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy. And and the idea of like, do you constantly need to be making more money, right? That that's A lot of people say that is the success of a business is what did you do this year versus last year? What did you do? Did you grow 25%? And did you take advantage of X, Y, and Z? Did you hire people? Which is what we're trained to think is successful uh, as opposed to just being like, hey, I... I I made I made the amount of money that allows me to live the lifestyle that I want to live. And as long as I can continue to do this, there's no reason for me to push the gas down to the floor and and try to grow. So that's that's where I'm I'm stuck. I don't want to say stuck. It's it's kind of where I'm living right now is I, rickrungood.com or the Rick Run Good brand doesn't need to be a hundred million dollar brand. Would that be cool? Yeah. Would there yeah. be a lot of headaches? Certainly. Would there be a lot more that goes into it? Of course. But could it be v- like very good for me in my low overhead life with my wife and we can live comfortably? Is 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 that good? Yes, I think it is. That's yeah. that's what I think. Agreed. It's all like if you could live within your means and like an actual lifestyle that you can afford it, it becomes a lot easier. And that's something that I last year during the pandemic really helped me realize was even in probably the worst possible, like anything worse than last year for most people, let alone like sports when they stop for so many months, anything worse than that. And we probably have much bigger issues than just what I'm doing for my day-to-day job. And just to be able to survive that, survive that comfortably because of just lifestyle that I was in. And also there was just enough still out there. Like people still wanted to have some sort of escape into content. That made me feel really good about like whenever I start to stress out about, okay, should I be scaling? Should I be trying to compete with these companies that are like 40 or 50 contractors and making 10 different videos a day? Mm-hmm. And then I just think, okay, worst case scenario was probably last year and that was fine. 
So like, let's just keep chilling out, doing what we're doing right now, yeah. still working as hard as possible, but not trying to stress myself to the point where this isn't fun anymore. I could not have imagined a scenario in which all sports shut down. Yeah, I was, I just remember, I just remember being like, now what? Like for the first time I was genuinely scared. I, I did not know what was going to happen. I, I was like, how am I going to make money? How am I going to pay bills? Th that was, um, that was the lowest I've ever been like that. Like, like when golf shut down. Yeah, that I remember just knowing it wasn't going to happen, but the XFL was like, I was covering it in its first year and it was the only one. It was like the big decision. What is Vince McMahon going to do with the XFL? And in my head, I was like, they're not doing it. Um, and my, my heart was just like, please do this. So I know what I'm doing for the next, next amount of months. And like in my personal situation, I had just paid off the rest of my student loans and put a little bit more than I probably would have felt comfortable putting on it. Because I was like, ah, like I know that this revenue You've the next couple money months coming in. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So like I, I didn't have zero dollars in my bank account, but I had enough or I didn't have I didn't have enough that made me not feel very stressful when that all started happening. It was literally a week before. Like I made my last payment. I was excited to show my family and stuff. And then that happened. And I was like, this could not have happened at a much worse time. But um, yeah, it's just crazy. Like being able to just ride through the lows of the lows like that. God. It makes it feel a lot more sustainable when you're the company of one quote unquote, like right now, looking back at that. I find you to be very innovative where you're always, you're always trying new things, right? Is that, is, is that a conscious effort to be like, Hey, I want to try something and see if it sticks. And if, if it does, maybe I'll work it into the, you know, the routine, or is that more just your, 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 your nature where you're curious, you want to try out new stuff, or is it a combination of both? It's a combination of both. I, I don't watch a lot of other YouTube channels. Uh, definitely not like in our space, just in general, no. I would say. I, the, yeah. You know what? I, I watch uh, uh, Cincinnati Picker, a guy who goes around yard sales. <laughs> like I do not, I, when I'm, when I want to watch something else, I'm like anything but golf or sports right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Like I, I'm very much in, I don't know why the last year I've been on like a UFC MMA kick, but also I've always watched like comedy, comedy podcasts or just like okay. comedy clips. And that's influenced a lot of like what I do, whether it's increasing production value, the background that I'm seeing like right now, wearing like different colorful shirts on camera and the types of content that I'm like trying out as well, whether it's like a podcast with my girlfriend, there's other ideas that I have for podcasts. I've just, I've tried to approach like two or three people, well, actually one or two people in the space and they've just gotten blocked from like the companies that they work for. Because <laughs> I have, my next thing is I have no content that's outside of being like solo, which is kind of like the company one thing, but I want one piece probably like NFL betting type show with somebody else. So that's what I'm like currently this lull period before the football season starts is got it. One of the things on my checklist, but yeah, it's probably being influenced by people in like the comedy space, which might be like, I don't know, free thinkers, the right term, but like the, the biggest free thinkers that are out there. They just like say something, something that they've done the way that they have their content angled or thumbnailed or whatever it might be. Um, and that usually starts to get my gears turning. And when I'm watching that, it's like the most relaxed that I yeah. am. Like there's no work. Like that's my, downtime whether i'm like eating or just chilling out on a weekend and it starts to get the gears going a little bit so i would say it's i would say it's conscious but at the same time it's like something i get just from being like relaxed and in a state where i'm just enjoying myself and i guess creative just from watching other people do that type of content it makes sense that comedians would be pretty forward thinking because they're constantly having to come up with new material and you can't yeah. you know steal somebody else's material you have to be aware of what's going on in pop culture and and the way people are now talking and communicating with one another so it kind of makes sense that 
they would be on the forefront of, of that because they it's by necessity. They have to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like one of the comedians, his name is Andrew Schultz. He did. So I, I started to do those today in sports, like one minute clips on Twitter. And I did like a week or a week and a half, two weeks of them. And I want to still do them. And that was kind of an idea I stole from him, which he stole from somebody else in pop culture. And he made it a big thing, got a Netflix special out of it. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I didn't continue doing it was I, I just dislike writing so much. Like, like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I love the whole linking of whether it's rhymes and raps or, or jokes and comedy, but like when it's time to go like in a word doc or pen to paper, my brain just goes, I don't want to be doing this. I don't know what it is. And it makes sense. Like we're podcasting YouTube channel. That's yeah. the way that I can express myself. But when it comes to like preparing something, like I'll structure out some shows, but like preparing and thinking for an hour to two hours, just to get a minute of jokes. I was just like, all right, this is not working out too well right now. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm just like, let's just talk it out and see what happens. Yeah. So what's what's next for sal what what should we expect give us some uh give us some juicy stuff what, what's coming from you yeah so right now is the lull season i would say so looking ahead and that's just literally like for football or anything nba playoffs and ending august starts nfl and i'm going to be going just full through until the super bowl on that and probably solely that but in these next two months i'm gonna have to make a decision on what the channel looks like next year february to this time kind of that lull season if i want to niche down into one sport or not but yeah more betting content is something that i'm looking to structure so i cover fantasy and dfs but once the football season comes more structured betting content perhaps with a co-host for one of those shows and also trying to appear whether it is networks maybe it's reaching out to an agent now or just on bigger channels trying to get my brand out there scale it instead of with like time and other people on my channel, just scale it by getting my brand on other networks that have more eyeballs. I think that's the approach that I want to be taking to kind of make the best use of my time. Do you think that we'll just see this like super, super niche thing happen where, where every, like in football, instead of being a football analyst, I mean, I guess they already have these with beat writers, but like, there'll be a, there'll be a, a Falcons guy. And like the, this guy's only doing Falcons data analysis on YouTube or like, you know what I mean? Are we just going to continue down, down further down the rabbit hole? Yeah. It's got to stop at some point. I, I don't know if like <laughs> the, the, I mean, I feel like those guys work for the team already, but like they're like specific per like beats per team. Yeah. Like there's very popular YouTube channels. Like I'm a Packers fan for like the Packers things along those lines, but they've yet to get down to the point where it's like the Packers player props only, or like the Packers, um bets only just ah, man would but, that be good or I, I i i i would think that there wouldn't be enough content but you could literally spend all right here's aaron Rodgers' uh passing props and you yeah. know it's it's completions it's yards it's touchdowns and then go through the running backs go through the wide receivers maybe there is maybe people want that because i i understand the idea if you're only watching the packers if you're only analyzing the packers you probably have a better feel for it than the league in general but I, it has to stop at some point. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where it does stop, though, because from you have to like come off of having a big audience of being a Packers beat writer or something for that to even possibly work out because yeah. you would have to be a fan of the team. And at that point, it's more of like a regional thing, but you're broadcasting globally. So why not just include a Julio Jones prop just to title it differently yeah. and reach so many more people? That's probably where it does stop. But I do think that there'll be a point where like each specific team, whether it's on their broadcast, has some sort of data analyst, sports betting analyst for that, but maybe not people doing it as their full-time start from zero YouTube channel. Yeah. 
All right, Sal, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I appreciate it. That was fun. Yeah, we're having a good time. I like this. It's fun. <laughs> All right, that's Sal Vetri. Uh, much appreciated. 300 Yards to Unknown. We'll be back next week. But for now, peace out. See ya.